so you get me today. And I think we've started a thing here, so I might have to make sure I keep with the with the trend. Tell a joke. I've got a couple jokes that we'll have to save for another day, but because Leanne's already threatened me, if I tell him, I'll be in trouble. So I've got a really good joke about marriage, but I need to I need to leave it alone. So so I think a couple of these a couple of these are fitting for the time. So I'll go with this. I got two. Professor to a student. Can you think of a solution to end unemployment? Yes, sir. I'd put all the men on one island and the women on the other. And what would they be doing? Building boats. Uh, that's pretty good. I like that one. I think this one's even better for, for right now. How many bureaucrats does it take to change a light bulb? Right? That's fitting for, you know, the election season. Two. One to assure us that everything possible is being done, while the other screws the bulb into the water faucet. <laughs> it's pretty fitting of our political system at the moment. So, all right. So now we need the Lord to come back. So, Lord God, I just come before you, and I just ask that you would just um, be here. Lord God, that you would limit the rabbit trails, because I've got a lot of them going on in my head. But, Lord God, that exactly what you have would um, come out, that it would be shared, and that um, it would just be what you have today, in Jesus' name. So, the, the kids in class got a little bit of a foreshadowing of the day, because once I have something on my mind, I typically can't get it off till I've shared it. So, But I've been reading a book by Chris Vallotton, it's called um, Poverty, Riches, and Wealth. I've I've read it a couple times now, and... Um, well, I'm on my second, so it'd be a lie. I've read it once, and I'm reading it for the second time. And um, the first couple of chapters in it have are about getting what you have on the inside being produced on the outside, and um, it has to do with obviously it has to do with finances, but it's so much more than finances about what we have internally creating the environment around us. And right out of the gate, he starts with a scripture. It says, Beloved friend, I, it's Third John uh, 1, 2. I pray that you are prospering in every way and that you continually enjoy good health just as your soul is prospering. And I've looked it up in a lot of transi- uh, translations. And believe it or not, it means what it says because they all say the same thing, Right? As your soul prospers, so does your physical body, right? That's, that's, that's spiritually, that's mentally, that's your health, that's your finances. That is, as you prosper here, it does nothing, it can't help but be everywhere else. And so I've always, we use this one a lot at home, but um, a handful of scriptures here, Matthew 15, 18, but what comes out of your mouth reveals the core of your heart. Words cannot pollute, words can pollute, not food, right? Or we got um, the Luke six forty five, the intrinsically good man produces what is good and honorable and moral out of the good treasure stored in his heart, and the intrinsically evil man produces what is wicked and depraved out of the evil of his heart. For his mouth speaks from the overflow of his heart. Trans, uh, Passion translation says it this way: People are known in this same way out of the virtue stored in their hearts. 
Good and upright people will produce good fruit. But out of the evil hidden in their heart, evil ones will produce what is evil. For the overflow of what has been stored in your heart will be seen by your fruit and will be heard by your words. Um, multiple times, I talk to my kids and myself. Let's just be honest. I'm, I'm saying these scriptures to myself. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? So there are days where I'm a little bit more nasty. I know most of you find that hard to believe, but I can be kind of biting at times, right? I, I can be a little bit aggressive. And um, Leanne has never seen that side of me, though, believe it or not. And so I, I repeat this to myself, right, as I start to get a little bit more, as I start to produce externally what I'm processing internally, Sometimes I have to check myself and realize, whoa, hold on. I'm starting to talk out of something I shouldn't. <laughs> and um, so I don't bring those scriptures up to talk about the evil, right? That's not always evil, right? Sometimes it's just mindsets. It's how we believe. Um, we um, Let me get back to this because I'm going to start going down rabbit trails if I'm not careful. So for the overflow of what has been stored in your heart will be seen by your fruit and will be heard in your words. And if words have power, which we all know they do, then how we feel about ourselves internally, we will speak. And as we speak those words, we are creating the very reality on the outside that we feel on the inside and therefore reinforcing what we feel internally. And we continue this cycle, right, until by some miracle we begin to see ourselves as God has made us. I'm going to go so far as to even say that it's not even what you say. Sometimes it's here, and you produce, right? You, you, we're all producing. We're either producing good fruit or bad fruit, and it, it, I don't think there's ever an in-between, right? right? It, it says that if you're not moving forward, really you're going backwards. And to me, the same, the same thing with the fruit. If, if we're not producing good fruit, we need to be careful because we're not be producing bad fruit. And... Chris says, it, um, Chris says in that book, we, you know, we create on the outside the environment we have on the inside. This is, again, like I said, so much further than monetary, right? It, it, is, it is all parts and all walks of our life. So I'm going to use an example here. It won't be me by any means. So let's just say at work, you seem to be the guy that always gets yelled at. Let's say that just as you begin to succeed, you screw something up and undo, undo whatever good will you might have built up, and all of a sudden you're getting your butt handed to you just because of a mistake. Let me preface this by saying, first, life happens, right? You're going to make mistakes. And I will even go so far as to say, if you're not making mistakes, you're not trying, right? You're going to screw up. I screw up. I still screw up. But if it's a pattern, I'm willing to bet you that how you feel about yourself is being, man, is being manifest. I relate to this, obviously, that I was that guy. I went so far as to believe I deserved to be talked to that way, right? I screwed up because I deserved it. Or I made these mistakes and, on a couple instances, cost Circle B quite a bit of money because I made judgment calls that were bad judgment calls. And then, in turn, may or may not have had my butt handed to me. And, and, and I started to, you know, you start to believe that you deserve that, right? Because if you have that, you have that internal mindset that you're not good enough, that you don't add up, 
it begins to produce. It begins to produce whether you want it to or not. Until the Lord gave me a revelation of honor. And that to honor others, first you have to honor yourself. Because you don't know how to honor somebody else if you don't know how to honor yourself. And you honor someone because you deserve honor. And you're going to produce externally. I'm going to say this a few times if you can't tell. What you have internally. A um, couple of things began to happen in my life. First, the Lord gave me a miraculous revelation as to what honor is and how it not only applies to those around me, but to myself as well. As I began to embrace the grace in my life and begin to see myself as the Lord sees me, what I'm going to call self-sabotaging began to cease. Those decisions became better. Those, um, uh, the integrity became better, right? You, you walk with a little bit better integrity all of a sudden when you start to feel better about yourself. When you start to understand what the Lord's telling you, you, you start to um, do your job in a way that produces fruit, right? You start to do it because, because the Lord loves me, because I am a child of the King, I'm a, I just intrinsically am going to do my job better. And you stop making the stupid mistakes, See, the Lord was faithful and promoted me, even though I didn't believe that I necessarily always deserved it. And as I was promoted, right, you, do, you go up, and then, quote-unquote, self-sabotaging, I bring myself back down. And then it was, it was a pretty vicious cycle, wasn't it, for a little while. It was all of a sudden, I'm on cloud nine, and, and we're going well, and all of a sudden, you know, I, I was, you know, Bonuses that weren't what they should have been, um, just different different phases in our life, in my life, which obviously translates Leanne's life by default. Um, we just seen we just did a vicious up and down cycle, right? I, I was in good I was in good favor, I was in poor favor. You know, I I tell the kids it was my turn in a barrel. It, it seemed to be I was my turn in a barrel all the time, and. And, and not only did, did I do this up and down, but then the favor that I was having became to almost be shameful, right? I'm being blessed. I, I, I'm being honored, right? I'm, I'm succeeding. And that success was almost shameful because I was always waiting for the other shoe to drop. Because at some point, I was going to screw it up and not be worthy of that success, and it happened, and it manifests itself over and over and over. And as I began to realize that the Lord loved me because he loves me and not because anything I did, and as I began to grasp the grace and what the Lord said about me and the honor and began to reproduce that, those, that shoe didn't start to not drop at all. And... and you, you know, it, it started to be much more of an, a climb than it was a fall. And the falls were much less. And I, um, you know, I still make mistakes. Let's just be honest. It's life. I'm still, I still screw up. I still make poor decisions. I still cost Circle B money, whether I want to admit it or not. Most of the time, not. But the, the outcome, it's an opportunity, Right? It's an opportunity, and, and when, when you're always looking for the other shoe to drop, when you're always wondering, you know, where the next failure is going to happen, that's a poverty mindset. 
that is a mindset that does not allow you to think this failure is an opportunity, right? Because if you're not failing, you're not trying. I'm just going to be honest with you. It means you're not, you've, you're, not, you're not putting yourself out there if you're not failing. And, um, you know, watching kids learn to walk is a real good way to, to describe that trend. If they weren't falling on their face and getting back up and trying again, they'd still be crawling, right? So, so if we prosper as our soul prospers, then it's a short trip to say that we grasp, as we grasp who we are in the Lord, a son and daughter of the king, a royal priesthood, the bride, we will look different mentally, physically, financially, spiritually than those around us. We, we will produce out externally something different than what the world produces, right? If, if um, we spend a lot of time worrying, if we spend a lot of time um, not at peace, let's just call it peace. If, if we have that internal peace because we know what the Lord says, we're going to produce that peace. And that's actually one thing I get asked a lot at, at work is, how, why are you not freaking out about this, right? Because I don't, because I know, right? You got to word it differently because not everybody wants to say, because it's Jesus, right? That, that, that doesn't always land real well. But I have something inside of me that's different than what you have inside of you. And because I, I work with a lot, not a lot of non-believers. Um, so I, I started asking the Lord why he was bringing this up all of a sudden, because we've been, we've been in the book now for a month or two, and um, I just keep, I can't get away from it. I, I mean, granted, I'm beating it in them the whole time of what your environment you have inside, you're going to produce on the outside. And, and, and he starts going through ways in the book to change that, right, to change that mindset, to change how he feels about himself. And he gives a story about when he got his Corvette. And it's what he wanted for his birthday, and he, and he drove it to Bethel. And he was ashamed of it, right? He was ashamed because he drove it there because he was, in his mind, he was flaunting it, and he didn't deserve it. And all the people around him were extremely excited for him. They, you know, this is awesome. This is awesome. Why, you know, tell me about your car. And the more he asked questions about how awesome his car was, the more shameful he felt. And so finally it clicked, and it says, you know, one of his friend finally sat him down, and, you know, back to class, a friend sat him down and said, you're a car guy. You deserve this. Quit. And he started, from that day forward, he drove that car every day. And he says in there something to the effect of, I forgot the book this morning, believe it or not. <laughs> he says... Um, so things happening good on the outside is a manifestation of something good happening on your inside. Don't be ashamed of it. And so I've been asking myself about this, and I don't think it's a mistake that we have the election coming up on Tuesday, right? Uh oh, I'm gonna talk politics. Um, I've found myself deeply enthralled in the election and its coverage. I've also found myself rising and falling with every poll number and every article. I, I know I'm listening to podcasts that I've never listened to before. I'm listening to news clippings that I've never listened to before. And I'm starting to lose that peace, right? I'm starting to lose that internal thing that says, you know who you are because of what I said you are, not because of anything you've done and not because of anybody that's elected or not elected. And... I've also be lying if I didn't say that I felt a little anger towards people that don't agree with me. I know, 
Shocking, isn't it? Um, so I read an article yesterday that kind of grounded me again, kind of brought me back to earth. And it's, it, it is the, you know, the, the right and the left are as polarized this election as I've ever seen. And I'm 41, so Methuselah here might be able to say it's even worse than that. Um, but we... <laughs> So, but it's as polarized. It's as far right and as far left as I've ever seen it and that I ever remember grasping, right? And so one side will win and one side will lose. If we are so wrapped up in who sits in the presidency that it causes us to lose sleep, appetite, lose our peace, that we are sure our country will go to hell in a handbasket, depending upon who does or doesn't get in, then we have lost sight of who actually sits on the throne. That being said, I am by no means saying that we should not be politically active. You should care. If you don't care, you have a problem. I'm just going to be honest. We have a right and a duty to vote and to be engaged in the future of our county, our state, and our country. And, but we have, but what we have on the inside should ooze out of us onto the outside. The hope we have in Jesus should be the hope we give those around us. By that, I don't mean that, I'm a, that you should tell every Republican or Democrat that, we have a, that as they're getting ready to have their meltdown over the election, which there are a lot, I am one of them, that Jesus is the only way, right? That's not what they want to hear. That's not, that, that produces no peace in somebody who doesn't know the hope of the Lord, Right? Because I've tried it, in case anybody hasn't. You know, I've, 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 I've grown up a little bit. That, that's not what I do. I don't, oh, Jesus is the only way. You'll be okay. You'll be okay. It doesn't work. It doesn't produce any peace in anybody. It doesn't produce any peace in myself, if I'm being completely honest. Now, just because you vote for Biden doesn't mean I hate you. It does mean I question your insanity. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But that is what, no, I'm not really. <laughs> but that is what's beautiful about our country, right? That really is what's beautiful about our country. We have a choice on who we vote for. Nobody tells me I have to vote the way I vote. Nobody tells you you have to vote the way you vote. We have a choice. And it's also a, what's beautiful about our love for Jesus. Because we can honor those who don't agree with us. We can honor those who don't vote the same way we, we vote. But in order for that to happen, it requires security in ourselves. It requires security in who we are. It requires security in who what the Lord tells us, who I am and who you are. And then that which you have internally will begin to be produced externally. You become a thermostat rather than a thermometer, right? We've heard Bill Johns and Chris Valathon say that many times, but it's very true. You are able to affect the environment. Because if you're in a group of Republicans, Democrats, and you have a peace, depending upon how the election turns out, and the world is ending, you can't help but affect the environment around you. And they're gonna wonder, why do you have that peace? Um, see, Joseph is an incredible picture of, of both these things, in my opinion, right? Genesis 37, 5 says, Now Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. Right? The dream 
two dreams, the coat of many colors, and how he was treated by his dad solidified something inside of him, right? He had a foundation of who he was. And I believe he carried it with him the rest of his life, regardless of the situation. He wasn't a victim, and the environment didn't dictate who he was. The dream within and the foundation within was produced everywhere he went. Every situation he was in, everything he did. 39.2, Genesis 39.2 says, The Lord was with Joseph, and he, even though a slave, became a successful and prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Right? Sold, by, sold to be a slave. All of a sudden, he's a successful and prosperous man. 39, 21 to 23. But the Lord was with Joseph and extended loving kindness to him and gave him favor inside of the warden. Right? Oh, I forgot a major piece there. So he's a slave. He's in Potiphar's house. He's lied about. He gets thrown in jail. Right? So regardless of how I feel about myself and what the Lord has told me, if I'm sold by my brother, find success, and then turn around and I'm back in prison, I'm going to start questioning what kind of dream or how I was treated, right? He, it, there, there had to have been, I mean, Joseph was human. He wasn't, he's not God. He wasn't some magical thing that just, he was able to just walk around everywhere he went with this incredible, I have favor because I have favor because I have favor. He had to have questioned. There had to have been something inside of him that began, began to question what in the world is going on, right? So now he's in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and extended loving kindness to him and gave him favor in the sight of the warden. The warden committed to Joseph's care, management, all the prisoners who were in prison. And so whatever was done there, he was in charge of it. The warden paid no attention, right? The warden paid no attention to the prisoners, to anything that was in Joseph's care because the Lord was with him. Whatever Joseph did, the Lord made to prosper, right? He produced on the outside what he had on the inside, so here he is. He's in prison, right? He's, he's treated well. He sold as a slave. He's the top slave. Now he's in prison. Now he's the top prisoner, right? Now, now think about that. I'm the top prisoner. I'm the top slave. I don't know how I feel about that, but he produced on the outside what he had on the inside, right? He knew who he was and who the Lord said he was to be. Every setback was an opportunity, and every prison was another place for the thermostat inside of him to change the environment around him. So I'm going to paraphrase the rest of the story because I could read all of it, and it would, we would be here for another hour. But so long story short, he's in prison. He meets the baker and the cupbearer, right? He's in charge of everything. The cupbearer was supposed to remember him and get him out of prison because he, he, he interpreted their dreams. And then he interpreted the baker's dream, and the baker was killed. The Amplified Version says it was two years before the cupbearer remembered to do what he said he would do. So again, it's a roller coaster if you think about it. It's a roller coaster ride. He, he, he prophesied to the cupbearer, the cupbearer is going to remember him. He had to have had hope at that point. Oh, I'm going to be two years before the cupbearer remembered. Uh, and he says in there something to the effect of, admitting to Pharaoh his mistake. There's a man in prison that I met who prophesied this and prophesied that and you promoted me and killed the cupbearer or killed the baker. 
So, so two years later, he's promoted to the ruler over Egypt, right? After he interprets these dreams, Pharaoh makes him ruler over Egypt. And then his brothers show up, right? Finally, the dream within became reality on the outside when his brothers showed up to ask for help, right? So, and here's what the Lord was showing me as I was reading this. The victim mentality would have responded in a not-so-good way. I asked the kids the question today that, that are younger brothers how they would have responded. And I didn't let them answer because I didn't really want to know what was in their heart. Um, so, but the bottom line is, is Joseph was human, but he had a supernatural reality of who he was. Because the human side of us would not have been nearly as nice, right? Now, did he, now see, I appreciate this part. He messed with them, right? Go back and get your younger brother. Just to me, He did mess with their heads. See, I appreciate that because I like to mess with people. Go back and get your younger brother, and then the whole time they're thinking, "Oh God, he's going to kill him." We don't, you know, they didn't realize he was Joseph at this point, and so, but the kingdom mentality, the kingdom mentality says he honored and he saved. Right, he had an opportunity to bless his family, to take care and save all of Goshen, and. That was because of who the Lord said he was and what he put inside of him. So I think we have two responsibilities right now in this hour, in this time and what we got going on. Regardless of who wins, we have a duty to lift them up and pray for the protection and will of God over our president. I don't care if it's Trump. I don't care if it's Biden. Right? We watched Obama be very um, bland for the most part in his presidency. And that was because believers were scared to death, and they prayed over him, right? They prayed. And I, I believe that it is important, regardless of who it is, that we continue to lift them up in prayer, right? I think that, that is a must. That is, that is our duty as believers. A poverty mindset takes the position of being a victim, though we can never get ahead and we can never win. And, you know, this president, regardless of who you, who you look or who you're looking for, is the end of the world as we know it, right? That is a poverty mindset. A wealthy mindset, a kingdom mindset, looks at every setback as an opportunity. As an opportunity to see the Lord move in miraculous ways, right? To see the Lord protect us as Christians, to protect what we have, right? Looks as an opportunity to move, for, move the kingdom forward. The kingdom is advancing regardless of who sits in that chair. It is, it is a kingdom that is much higher and much bigger than any president. 